0: On a ground level where it's always uh, started with the community discussion and how it affects uh, Kimberley Pilbara people, I've got uh, Smarty Marty once again with uh, with us here, Martin Sipisato. Good morning. Good morning, Sandy, and good morning, countrymen. <laughs> busy, busy. Last couple of days, no doubt. I didn't even know that this announcement was going to be made yesterday.
1: I, I guess one of the... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's one of the things of being within a government process, and I and I can say to you that you know a lot of my um, colleagues, the other Aboriginal leaders, have been frustrated in terms of saying, but uh, we were bound by confidentiality agreements um, because it was a cabinet parliamentary document. So really. And and you're right. I mean, the other concern I've been picking up from people is that, you know, Aboriginal people haven't been consulted and I'll I'll get to that. <laughs> yep.
0: It's an interesting report, Martin. It took hours to go through. I had to go back and forwards. Uh, didn't really want to worry about the figures because they're going to be just uh, uh, constantly announced. But uh, going in between the lines with um, what's been put together, a lot of recommendation uh, to work towards mainstreaming. It's been no secret, has it?
1: No, and I guess, you know, th- those are the things. But what I want to stress to people is that, um, yes, it's as the government says and, and as being part of that, that uh, advisory committee to the process is that um, consultation will occur so those, um, you know, those those announcements around uh, our, our transitional housing and um, education um, investments. So I'm talking about the funding parts of them. I mean, one of the things we've agreed in terms of going forward is that, and, and that's true of any sort of uh, relationship, um, is that. You know, there's business of government, and so that sits in the government sphere. At the end of the day, like the minister and cabinet and the reform unit, the, the public servants, and then there's the business of Aboriginal people in the communities. So the really why I'm 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 supportive of that approach is that what it actually historically what it does is for the first time um, puts down a roadmap. That um cabinet, so the senior ministers of the current government, have agreed with this roadmap, hence the announcement um um yesterday by the minister so that that you know has government approval now, and the process only runs for two years you're right um there's there's a lot of work to be done from Kimberley Aboriginal and Pilbury Aboriginal people. In terms of progressing the potential of this, and so what it's what it's looking at, and and I'm of the things I say taking away from you know, um, let's talk about you know if we talk about Aboriginal lands trust reform, um, small outstations, town-based reserves like um, one mile and up the hill in Brooms case, um, they're, they're called town-based reserves. Um, you know, there's a whole host of proposals. Yes, government will put its position, and that's what I say about in terms of the Kimberley Aboriginal community is that, you know, the leadership and the organisations, we will come together because there's going to be, after this announcement, immediately rolling out is the actual consultation. So so those things are not determined depending on the consultation and how we respond, that opportunity is there around the reform. Um, quite clearly there's some um, principles that that government um, have set. Um, and so, yeah, t- you know, like anything, there's a lot of negotiation to come, a lot of design, but the most important thing is that, that you know, we have that opportunity and, like, I suppose... It, uh, you know, any sort of a process. It depends on the strength of our argument and the support and and the case we put together to government. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that's the uh, uh, challenge in front of us.
0: Like it is a road map and, and that challenge in front of us with all of these changes uh, going to take place, government, and then you've got Bush Business, one side, uh, as I said, consultation... We've already got to base groups on the ground, Aboriginal service providers and people operate on a commonwealth level and uh, then on on a state level with uh, human resources because there's there's a lot of focuses uh, there and uh, for years we've been having Kimberley Futures meetings where Leaders organisations have got together quite regularly to discuss underlying problems that's been highlighted.
1: Yeah, and I guess I mean it, it's it's a new day and, and a new approach, and and I guess the thing that Kimberley, um, Aboriginal people, can be confident in is that you know we've always been, and when 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 we say we. When you, when you look at things like Kimberley Futures, the land councils, the bush meetings, the community meetings, we've always been having this discussion. So that's the beauty of, of the roadmap, um, is that, for instance, you know, I'll give you an example about land reform. Um, the first first um, discussion um, was the Seaman Land Inquiry in 1984, and then that was followed by, um, you know, the Bonner report, where and he's no longer with us. Paula, old, old Senate, former Senator Bonner in God nineteen ninety-six, bless his soul. And um, you know, the last one we had was the Casey Casey report in two thousand and seven, and and they all inquired into, um, you know the Aboriginal Land Inquiry into Aboriginal Lands Trust reforms, what sort of reforms we require. So that, that's the strength of it, is that in terms of from 1984, government have had all these reports and the roadmap now actually um, cabinet and the parliament or cabinet, I should say, and the government have committed to that discussion, and of course, those sort of, sort of, you know, from eighty four to the two thousand and seven, and the reports we would consider them, and we have, you know, right. amongst amongst the leadership group, amongst our elders and our leaders, would have participated in those discussions. So it's not new stuff. What what's what's exciting about the, the roadmap or the potential of it? I won't I won't say it's done. Is the potential of it is that all those discussions, we've finally got engagement with government. I'm not saying they're going to agree, as I said earlier. I mean, they'll have a position. Aboriginal people will have a position, and we'll see whether we can find um, the middle ground. But so in in terms of, you know, that, that stuff, and I just have to make mention in terms of the reform, and people should not forget this, is that, um, you know, Last year, in 2015, um, thanks to the efforts of our, our local Kimberley member and Gija woman um, Josie Ferrer, um, put up her bill for recognition of Aboriginal people in the West Australian Constitution and that bill changed. So that's the legislative basis, in my opinion, where Parliament changed to recognise West Australian Aboriginals in the West Australian Constitution, so so this is a follow-on from that document in terms of recognising, and so the reform allows you know all this unresolved business to be discussed. You
0: mentioned a couple of reports there: the Seaman report and one from the late senator. Uh, We also know since 1984 there's been lots of changes. People have been encouraged to go out to country, uh, build up on on communities uh, because uh, it was seen that it was best that Aboriginal people do that. And it's like a a different, it's like pulling back
1: back in what you're thrown out in the line. And I, I guess that's the difference between uh, the thinking and uh, then coming from uh, an Aboriginal perspective of, you know, culture and people's connection to country and and, and kin. So um, admittedly, and government may say it's right, it's, 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 you know, it's an opinion, but that that homelands movement and the outstations clearly reflected in the ATSIC time, mm-hmm. ATSIC, funded those things when you had ATSIC Regional Council and Aboriginal people making decisions. So these are some of the, as I say, going forward, some of the the points, you know, of contention about understanding, you know, where Aboriginal people are coming from and where the government's coming from. So yeah, there's a bit of economic argument and a bit of policy argument, but it's also from an Aboriginal perspective, as we say, you know, um country having country and and knowing where you come from is, is very important and it it explains a lot of things in terms of why people don't move far but the the disconnect if you like between the government and the non indigenous view and the Aboriginal view, those are the things now, as I say, in the in the roadmap that aren't determined and, and that's the work in front of us. And as as always, is is accepting. But as I say, there's there's some um, legislative, when I say legislative, things that are in law now that will allow that discussion to take place. Um, of course, the government is is the government, as I said earlier, business of government. They they're elected by the people um, to manage the public funds. So yeah, they'll have a view. That's fine. But hopefully, this time. It, it's another attempt, but hopefully this time we can have that discussion and it requires, um, you know, I think, I think it requires all the intellect and all the participation of Aboriginal organisations, leaders, um, um, you know, cultural, the bush business, as you say, um, the town and the, the administration business to sit together and and come up with some form of a Kimberley blueprint.
0: What what's something you feel passionate about, and other uh, other members that sit as an advisory group?
1: I guess what we're passionate about is is you know the, the types of things where where people have, uh, unfortunately, the public perception is that you know they see the the huge amounts of Aboriginal Affairs budgets and assume that every every Aboriginal person gets that amount of money. And what we've seen for instance so that's something I'm 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 very pleased that it's finally come out in public, is that yes, that is the Aboriginal affairs budget. How much of that actually hits the ground to our communities, for our services, outstations? So that's that's the other side. And you asked me what I'm passionate about, is finally the truth is being told, and we see that, for instance, in the report, in the... Uh, the report and the audit into the services in Robyn, in the Pilbara, and what did we see there is that, um, you know, 63 government and non-government organisations, service providers, um, delivering 200 services to to 1,400 people. So most of that money goes into, you know, government agencies, service providers, not into services, the poor Poor person sitting on the ground in the community or the community itself. What do they actually see out of that money? But but the public perception, whether it's Commonwealth or state or local, is that blackfellas are getting you know all this money. When the reality is, so that's what I'm really pleased is that it's you know you can't no longer. Um, point the finger at Aboriginal people and say, we give you all this money and you waste it, because the reality is. And so the roadmap identifies that in those sort of audits. And those are some of the practices why we say, when we say it has to be a evidence-based approach, and some of the early work going on now at the moment, and you'll see that in, in some of the recommendations, is that we're conducting those audits across all towns and all regions and communities so that we can rightly work out where is that money going? Is it going to the right place? Is it getting the outcome it requires? Is it fixing our houses? Is it fixing our health? And so if you're a service provider in that space, I mean, you know, this evidence is going to come out there in the fact and that we're able to then address... Um, you know, start to have a look at, well, how do we address those things? How do we make the best money, best um, use, sorry, of the available resources money-wise that are invested by government? So um, the report actually highlights that, is that, um, you know, for the first time, I think, is saying, you know, that money doesn't go to Aboriginal people. It goes to the service providers, And they have to be equally responsible for the outcomes and the position that Aboriginal people find themselves in.
0: Mm. Mm Where to now for you guys as, as advisors?
1: You guys still meet on a regular basis? I mean the other yeah that's the other thing is that you know we have the option now and and so I'll just share with people is that um a lot of the design work, yes, we get consulted after it's written, and we'll we'll have an opinion on it. But generally, you know we formally meet once every three months with um the director general's group, so that advisory committee is made up of um director generals of um i think it's about nine uh, state government agencies, so the director generals are the heads of those agencies, so we get to sit with them. But a lot of the the design work is done by um, the reform unit, headed up by Graham Searle. Um So, and that twenty two staff in that reform unit, they do a lot of the writing and the design. Um, that gets put before the advisory committee. And, and i stress that to people and you know I, i'm under no illusions in terms of i've said that in the past is that we are only an advisory body um at the end of the day you know government chooses whether it takes that advice or it rejects it so we don't have a lot of authority or or the power to actually all we can do is make suggestions and uh so that's that's the advisory process. But where to for us? I mean, the roadmaps there. Um, this current advisory has a shelf life of two years, so we're we're about one year into it. Of course, there's a state election in Western Australia. I think I've heard March two thousand and seventeen, so it's not too far away. So um, you know, those are the things. As I said earlier, in terms of what is our from the Kimberley Kimberley perspective and the the Aboriginal communities and the Aboriginal um, community is that, you know, one of the things we we would need to work out, in my view, is is getting bipartisan support so this roadmap doesn't just live with this current government. And what I mean by bipartisan support is that the other um, political parties in Western Australia agree... Um, you know to implement, implement or to maintain the roadmap because that that provides us sustainability going forward rather than three years as we see and then another government comes along and says we're going to do something else and, and that just doesn't allow us to address the issues, have the discussion. You know it's going to take a long time. Mm.
0: And uh, I heard you wisely say. Just when you think things are comfortable, always be prepared for the unknown, because things got a habit of changing.
1: Yes, and that's that's and that's contained in there, as, you know, in, in the report. So we've had had some influence in terms of getting, shaping the roadmap and the direction. But there's also a number of a lot of work to be done and a number of actions that sits within the Aboriginal community, as I said earlier. The business of government is the business of government, you know, other than us having a vote, and, and some of us may be able to influence um, government. I doubt it. At the end of the day, government's a political party and, and they're in their own realm. Um, business of Aboriginal community is our business, so people have to sit together. But um, So that's... That's, in terms of the roadmap, you know, in my opinion, the opportunity that it it exists. And it is uh, addressing issues from, you know, 50 years ago. We've seen, as I say, the ALT is a good example. We've seen three reports um, recommending to government that they hand land back to Aboriginal people.